We're thankful for this uh, precious opportunity and privilege that God's given us to uh, meet together here in his house. I'm very thankful for God's uh, providential blessings and allowing us to uh, come from North Carolina to here in Florida safely. Um, these three brothers that uh, made the choice to to come with us uh, this weekend, I'm very thankful for each one of them. And um, one of the brothers mentioned when we got off the plane that uh, when I first asked him to come, he said, I thought there's going to be like uh, a lot of other preachers there, Brother Ronnie. I know it's going to have to listen to you when I come down here. <laughs> well, I guess he was going to be a, get a little bit of a surprise with, uh, with Brother Chris asking us. I was very humbled uh, that Brother Chris asked us to come. Um, very much appreciate him, his friendship. Uh, most of all tonight, I hope we have the presence of our Lord and Master and his help and, and his leadership. If you have your Bible with you this evening, you'd like to read along with us, uh, please turn with us to 1 Kings chapter 6. I'd like to begin by reading the first three verses of 1 Kings chapter 6 as we consider the porch of the house of God. And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel. In the month of Ziph, which is the second month, and that he began to build the house of the Lord. And the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, the length thereof was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof twenty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits. And the porch before the temple of the house, 20 cubits was the length thereof, according to the breadth of the house, and 10 cubits was the breadth thereof before the house. Many years ago when I, I lived in Georgia, I had an opportunity to read a, read a book that was written by a professor there from the University of Georgia. His name was Ed Poole. Ed Poole penned a lot of books in his time that he spent there at the University of Georgia, but one book that he authored um, I very much enjoyed, and it was a book that he titled Lessons from the Front Porch, A Gathering Place to Tell Stories. And in that book, he would write of his experiences that he had with his grandmother and, and grandfather and his mom and his dad and other people in his family just, just sitting on the porch, just hearing life's experiences, learning life's lessons. You know, in today's world, that's something that is not really needed when people build houses. People are not concerned with the, with the front porch. But there was a time in history when that front porch of a house was very important to anyone that was building a house. You know, I remember as, as a child... My grandpa, Ben Landers Loudermilk. I'm, I'm Ronnie Benjamin. He was Benjamin Landers Loudermilk. I would go and I would just sit with him on the front porch of his house that he maintained. And he would tell me life's lessons. He would talk to me about life's experiences. He would give me so much information. And just as Mr. Poole would mention in that book how he learned so much just from his grandma and grandpa and mama and daddy and his family just sitting on that porch, I learned so much from my papa just sitting on the porch and listening to his stories. You know, experience is not the greatest teacher of all, but experience is a really good teacher. 
And it's important for us as younger people, of course, I'm 53 now. I'm not so young as I used to be. But to listen to the older and their experience in life, if nothing else, maybe I won't make the same mistakes that, that they made. I heard a man once tell his son, he said, you know, I didn't get in the mess I'm in overnight. It took time to get here. <laughs> if God would help us tonight, I'd like for us just for a few moments to think about the lessons we learn just spending time on the porch of God's house. First Chronicles chapter 28 verse 11. We're reading here of David. And you remember it was David that desired to build the house of the Lord. But God said no. You know, sometimes God says no. You know, when we pray and we should pray and be a praying people. And we should be praying with importunity, not giving up in prayer. We should be people that persevere in prayer. And that's a good word, persevere, if it's used in proper context. In that prayer, we always need to remember we could get one of three answers. God could say yes, and we know God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God could say not now, and we need to be patient. Remember the Syrophoenician, when she came to the Lord, the Lord didn't instantly answer her prayer. But she kept pressing and kept pressing because of her strong faith in the Lord, the Lord gave unto her. Sometimes God says no. Do you remember it was Moses? He wanted to enter into the land of Canaan, but what? God said, no, you're not going to the land of Canaan, Moses. You remember it was Paul that asked to have the thorn in the flesh removed, and God said, no. David desired to build the house of the Lord, but God said, no. And what did David do? He just gave up, right? No, David began to gather, put material together. And we find there in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 11 that it was David that delivered to his son Solomon the pattern of the house of the Lord, including that porch, that porch. David was an individual that took what service he had and the capacity he had to serve, and he took advantage of that, understanding that if I can't do anything else, let me do something for my son. You know, when we think about that lesson as older disciples, okay, would you let me number myself for the older disciples now? Is that, is that okay, Brother David? I, I number my, I'm going to number myself for Brother David. I'm an older disciple. If I can't do anything else with my life, let me live my life in such a way to be an example to my children. You know, children hear words, but I promise you they see an example more than they hear words. I talked to a sister once who had come to the church, and of course she'd bring all her kids with her. Her husband would not come with her, and she said, you know, there's not a lot of preaching that I get to hear on Sunday, Brother Ronnie, but I love bringing my kids and bringing my kids to church and making sure they're at the house of God. And I encouraged her, you just keep bringing your kids to the house of God. You know, there was a day that she got to sit there and watch all of her children join the church. And I thought, there's what God has done for this sister who labored in her life, not just to give up, because she couldn't hear the preaching tending the children, but she kept going and kept going to be an example in the house of the Lord. Isn't that what Paul told Titus? In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. But that's not all we learn about this porch that's on the house of the Lord. We come to 1 Kings chapter 7, about verse 22, and we're taught about the two pillars, the two pillars of the house, of that porch of the house of the Lord. And there in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 22, those two pillars are named. You know, we've got some friends that are out in the world that are part of a, a secret society 
if you want to talk to someone about Solomon's house, they'll know all about it, and they'll know those two names and what those two names mean. I've talked to him before at length. Those two names were Jacob and Boaz. That was the names. Those two pillars there that was on that porch of the house of the Lord had names. Those names literally means the Lord is my strength and I will establish. Well, Brother Ronnie, what's the lesson we learned right there? It's important to have a good foundation for your life. I remember sitting on my papa's porch and he could talk to me about the, the pillars that was there on the porch and how they went down into the ground. And of course, they just went down into what? Soft sand so they could sink up. No, no. He, he would dig down deep. He would lay rock in the ground. He'd have something under that pillar so that was held up with strength and you could go and you could lean against it. How many of you remember going to grandma and grandpa's porch and you just lean against the pier? You don't have to worry about it falling over. It was there. It was strength. And on that porch, those two piers, those two pillars were named concerning the strength that you have and that strength being the Lord's strength and the Lord establishing. You know, there's a lot of things in the world that would claim to strengthen your life. But you know what they are? Most of it's just full of hot air. You know, the world can't, can't provide anything. Have you, have you ever went to a store and bought a bag of potato chips? The world can't fill a bag of potato chips with chips. Now, how are they going to fulfill any other promise in your life? But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you want to have a, to, your life to be established, your life to be strengthened, it's found walking close to the Lord and in His Word and in His house. You remember there in Isaiah chapter 28, I think it's verse 13, Behold, I lay in Washington, D.C. That's not what the Word says. Behold, I lay at the University of Georgia. I, no, that's not what it says. I've been there enough to know that's not what it says. It's behold, I lay in Zion. If you want a strong foundation for your life, you know where it starts? It starts in the house of God. You want a strong, you want a strong marriage? It's got to have a strong foundation. It starts right in the house of the Lord. You want to have a strong foundation in raising your children? It's right there in the house of the Lord. Jesus said, He that heareth these sayings and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house on the rock. He that hears them and won't do them, he's a foolish person that builds their house on the sand. If you build your house on the shifting sand of the world's opinion, it will fall. But if you build your house, your life, on the solid rock of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ in service to Him, I promise you, even when the greatest storms come in life, and they will come, because Jesus said in this world, you shall have tribulation, your house will still stand. Second Chronicles chapter 8 and verse 12. We'll read something else about this house. It was Solomon after he got this house finished. He began to gather together and the Bible said that he made sacrifice in the altar that was before that porch of that house. You know, Solomon was an individual that when he got that house done, he understood it's important that we give thanksgiving to God. Solomon, when he made those offerings, when the house was dedicated, you remember there's 22,000 sheep and 120,000 sheep no, it's 22,000 oxen, 122,000. Hold on just a minute. That was a long flight, brothers and sisters. 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. There, I got it. <laughs> you know, those were peace offerings. If you ever went through the book of Leviticus and studied all the offerings of God, you know what a peace offering was? It was one that was as a memorial to the Lord, but they were burned and they were eaten by the congregation, so it would be a, like a huge feast and dedication. They would all eat and enjoy that with one another. You know, those 22,000 oxen, they just wouldn't burn thrown away. No, they feasted on, on that, 
the meat of that, they feasted on the sheep. There's a great feast at the dedication of the temple. And we read there in that portion of scripture where Solomon did some offerings there before that porch. Well, what's the lesson we learned there, Brother Ronnie? It's important to remember to have priorities in your life. And if you're going to have priorities, you're going to have to make a sacrifice. Every priority is going to require sacrifice. If you make something in the world your priority, you're going to have to sacrifice something to have it. What, what really is a sacrifice? It's the giving up of one thing for the priority of another. That's what it is. If you're going to serve God faithfully, get ready. You're going to have to give up something. If you're going to do what's right, you're going to have to give up something. You know, I learned that a long time ago. I remember Brother Chris and I... <laughs> We were, just a few moments ago, I'll just bring it to this. A few moments ago, we were sitting there on the pew, and the hymn was being used, No More My God, I, I Boast No More. I, I love the melody of that. And I, I looked at Brother Chris. I know you probably saw the tears in my eyes. You know, I was nine years old the first time I went to a mourner's bench. That same melody is used for that hymn, Just As I Am. That hymn was being used the first time I went to a mourner's bench. The preacher was still in the pew preaching, and he told me, he said, Preach your heart, pray your heart out, Ronnie. And I did. I prayed my heart out. And I went almost every Sunday until I was 16. I tried to pray my heart out that I would get what they told me to get. But I never got it. The Lord blessed me one day to hear the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which did more for me in that border's bench ever did. It did more for me in my praying ever did. It, it made my conscience feel good and it directed my eyes to the Savior that had died for me on the cross of Calvary. You know what I did? I wanted to be a primitive Baptist. I wanted to be a primitive Baptist so much when I started visiting a primitive Baptist church, I was sitting in the back and you may not believe this, you can ask Elder John Scott. I didn't talk. I was quiet. Nobody believes that, right? You asked my wife and we were dating. She did all the talking. Things changed. <laughs> I just sat in the back and listened. You know, Brother John said we'd look back there and, you know, little Brother Ronnie's just back there crying. He's back there crying. One Sunday, I did a handshake and I, I just came through the last, Brother David, and I asked Elder Bob Scott, was the pastor, I said, would, would it be okay if I wanted to join the church today? And they took me in. The next Sunday, they were going to baptize me, a cold front come through North Georgia. It was 14 degrees that morning. I remember Elder Robert Ming, Elder Kerry Lathrop's grandpa, he told me, he said, Brother Ronnie, we won't hold it against you if you want to wait until next week. <laughs> but I didn't want to wait. I wanted to be a primitive Baptist. When they baptized me, the water froze in my hair and my eyebrows. Come out of the pond. It did. And, you know, if I could do it over again, I'd, I'd do it over again just like I did. I've had people ask me, was the water cold? Oh, yes, it was cold. <laughs> I was still a person. You know, somebody says, were well, you full of the Spirit so much you were so hot? No, the Spirit blessed me, but I was still cold. <laughs> you know, when that happened, I lost a lot of friends. My, uh, my mama's daddy called me to his house, my papa, and he talked to me for hours telling me I did the wrong thing. Leaving where I was to, to be a primitive Baptist, I did the wrong thing. But I made some priorities in my life. And my priority caused me to have to give up some things. But you know, everything that I gave up, God gave me more. There's nothing you give up. Isn't that what Jesus told Peter there at the end of the conversation with the prodigal, not the prodigal son, but the rich young ruler? Anything that they gave up, Jesus, he said, you'll be blessed with more here in this temporal world, here in this present time.
I gave up friends. God blessed me with better friends. I gave up, you know, things that I would do with those folks. God gave me better things to do. And God's gave me more peace and more joy just being in the house of the Lord with the Primitive Baptist than I ever would have. And I said this, I think it was last weekend at Lawyer Springs Primitive Baptist Church. I learned more about the Bible in six months than I ever had in those 16, 17 years I've been in the Missionary Baptist Church. Now, do I love those folks? I love them. I'll hug their neck. I believe we'll all be in heaven one day. <laughs> Someone asked me once, do you think it's only going to be primitive Baptists in heaven? No, I think we'll have folks from all over the world in heaven. I think we'll all believe what the primitive Baptists believe in heaven. <laughs> but I think we'll be folks all over the world in heaven. And I love them with all my heart. But I'm willing to give up whatever it takes to be close to the Lord and to serve Him. Let's go to the New Testament real quick. Let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus Christ has, has been teaching. And the Bible says it was at the time of the Feast of Dedication that the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching here in John chapter 10. What time of year was that? The Feast of Dedication is known as the Feast of Lights. It's called something different today. It's called Hanukkah today. See, this feast was a secular feast that was started in Daniel chapter 11. After Alexander the Great died, his, his kingdom, according to the book of Daniel, was divided into the four winds. And there was two of those that were stronger than the other. And it was the north and the south. It was the Syrian and the Ptolemaic to the south Egyptians. And their battleground was right there in Jerusalem. And there was a lot of fighting going on. And they both despised the people of Israel. Well, the Syrians to the north became stronger. And there was a particular one. He was the vile person. He came and put out all the lights of the temple, even with burn filthy abominable sacrifices on their altars just to spite them. Well, there's a group of people that gathered themselves together. And if you ever get a chance to read the Maccabees, the Maccabees is telling the story of that. The Maccabees is not inspired scripture. No matter what anyone tells you, it's not inspired scripture. It's a, it's a history book. It tells you something about history, but it's not an, part of the inspired Bible. This Bible that we have, these 66 books, is the inspired word of God. Meaning this, there are many penmen, but God is the author of this book. And there's no errors. You can have confidence in your King James Bible. Amen. That book of the Maccabees taught the history of what happened. They came and fought a battle, and when they won the battle, they relit the temple. I think it's Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 when it says they did great exploits. They relit the temple and they had what was called the Feast of Dedication. It's called the Feast of Lights and now it's called Hanukkah. Well, when is Hanukkah? December? Right? December? Have you ever had someone ask you what kind of sermon should you preach in the month of December? You know what kind of sermon Jesus preached in December? John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus preached this good old hard shell doctrine. <laughs> you know when that, where that was done? It was done right there before the porch of Solomon's house. That's where it was done. You know the lesson I get here? The importance of sound doctrine. Sound doctrinal preaching. You know it's important that preachers preach practical living. To preach instruction and duty and what we should do. I need to be told what I should do. My mom and daddy thought it was important to tell me what to do. And if I didn't do it, I kind of walked with a limp for a while. <laughs> My daddy sometimes would give me three choices in doing. You could do it, you could do it, or you could do it. Take your pick. 
We need to be told what we need to do. A man of God needs to come in the pulpit and we pray the Lord bless him to tell us by the word of God what we should do. You know what we should do? We should do it. I had someone ask me once, why should I be baptized? God said do it. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. That's all the answer I need. But we need to be over and over and over taught sound doctrine. Why? Because our mind is a leaking vessel. Remember the text over in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 when the Apostle Paul makes reference to that that would slip, slip away. That means it gradually leaks away. It gets away from you. Have you ever been called a crackpot? You know, that person's just a crackpot. You know, we're all crackpots. It's all leaking out of us all the time. We can't hold on to nothing. You know, I have to have a reminder. You know, my wife's birthday is February the 8th. Valentine's Day is February the 14th. Now, I do know I've got to have two separate gifts for that. <laughs> But even that, I have to go back and make sure. I want to make sure I get that day right. That's one day I don't want to miss. Otherwise, you forget. How many people tie things on their finger, put it in your refrigerator that, that you won't forget? You know what would happen if the pastor stopped preaching sound doctrine? People start forgetting. You know, our identity is found in sound doctrine, the doctrines of grace. I want to tell you this. I think a, a huge, a huge integral part of the mystery of faith is in regeneration, the direct work of the Spirit, and what we teach about time salvation. And those two subjects need to be preached over and over and over again. I don't care how many times you've heard it, you need to hear it again. We need to be reminded over and over that there are salvations in Scripture, some of them conditional on us, and what we do in obedience to God to enjoy. Someone may say, how can you prove that, Brother Ronnie? What about over in Matthew 14 when Peter was on that ship? You remember they thought Jesus was the Spirit? And Peter said, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. And he got out. And he walked pretty well there for a while. But when he looked at the winds boisterous, he began to sing. And what did he say to Jesus? Save me, Lord, I perish. Now, I don't think Peter was thinking about hell that day. If you want to keep it in an eternal context, I guess Jesus saved him from heaven that day. He was on his way. <laughs> but it's not an eternal context. It's in a temporal context. Jesus saved him from that temporal water and those temporal winds. And it was Peter that called on him for help. And brothers and sisters, there's time salvation taught all the way through Scripture, temporal blessings and salvations that we, the children of God, can enjoy. It's not all one context. That's to be taught over and over, sound doctrine, that we, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, would be established in the truth and be able to give an answer to every man that asks us the reason we believe what we believe. There was actually two other examples in Scripture I was going to use. One was in Acts chapter 3. The other was in Acts chapter 5. But I want to listen to Brother David, and I'll tell you what we'll do. If uh, you wake up with me early in the morning, we'll talk about those early in the morning. May God richly bless you as our prayer.